Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Uh, noticing when it came in, and I did get a text early this morning that uh, Southern California Edison is here hooking up our power <laughs> right now. It's a Sunday miracle. That's what it is. So uh, I want to say thanks to the, just so many folks who work so hard in and out of this journey to have us ready for Sunday. And uh, this week has been no exception. And Randy Gregg's at the back back there. Wave at us, Randy, because we at least want to say hi. There he is. Randy's our electrician on this project, and uh, also he's our facility manager on our church board. So he's wearing two hats. He's uh, doing all of the contracting work, but he's also making sure everybody is, you know, doing their job around here. So uh, I came by yesterday, and he was working hard to put finishing touches on this room so uh, everything was just right for today. So uh, thank you, Randy, for all your hard work. We appreciate it. I don't know how you're feeling. Uh, I got up this morning and thought this would be a good day to not go to church. (laughs) Anybody feel like that? Like post the post Thanksgiving, you know, what a great day to rest and recover. But here you are. Thank you. Thank you for sharing the, the end of this uh, Thanksgiving celebration with us. Uh, it's rare uh, this time of the year that we're not right into Advent, but we are right in between. We get one more extra Sunday to be thankful before we start anticipating uh, this Christmas season. So I, I want you to think about a couple of things as we close out this series on a greater gratitude. We're looking at the 138th Psalm today. It's a psalm David wrote at the end of his life. It's a, it's, a psalm, it's a psalm that is written in retrospect. And I don't know about you, but I am smarter in retrospect than I am in real time. Anybody, anybody experience that? You know, I mean, you've heard the 2020 hindsight is, hindsight is 2020. I think that's how it goes. So we're having a David psalm that is him looking back at the journey. And that's really important because if you and I are going to sense the power and presence and the truth about God, it it often is not happening in real time. Sometimes in real time we feel alone or abandoned or overwhelmed or worried. So it's really good to sit down with someone and have them look back with us and reflect And so that's the first thing. If if we're really going to celebrate today this greater gratitude, and today we're thinking about the protection of God in our lives, we're going to have to think in these terms. I'm going to see it someday. I, I can't really see it so much right now, but I trust, like David, when I look back, I'm going to be able to see how all of the pieces kind of fit together. And the second thing that I think is super important in this little conversation is that Real gratitude happens in community. It happens together as we join our smaller story with God's bigger story. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he says, Therefore, 
and you do know what the therefore is following. Chapter 11 is the hall of fame of faith. It's all the people who did amazing things in their journey with God because why? Because they were incredible people? No, that's not what it says. Because they were super smart? No, it's not what they said. Because they were faithful. Because they just kept putting one foot in front of another. They kept getting up every day. They kept doing their best. They kept trusting in God. They kept confident of what they did not see and sure of what they hoped for. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us set aside every weight. What would that look like for you this morning? What weights would you need to set aside? Because sometimes our hearts, our souls, our minds, our spirits are weighed down. Let us set aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and so sat down at the right hand of the Father. Consider Him who endured such suffering at the hands of sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and give up. And if we're going to experience this faithfulness of God, this celebration of His protection, hearts of a greater gratitude, we're going to have to lean into these two things. Retrospect, the fact that God is faithful even though day-to-day in real time, it doesn't always feel like that. And our story is a part of a much bigger story. And in this much bigger story, God is faithful, He is faithful, He is faithful, He is protecting, He is faithful, He is protecting. There's a, a few million stories of which we participate and we are a part. So that's what we're thinking about. It turns out that you and I need safety and we need a place to rest. We need it. We need a sanctuary. We need, we, we, our bodies, our minds, our spirits need to genuinely rest. And as a culture and as individuals, we're not very good at that. We are not good resters. You know, now that doesn't mean we're not good sleepers, though (laughs) for some of us that's also true. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And so the reality is somehow we have we have forgotten as a culture how to rest. So I try to think about the biblical narrative and how it starts out and what's going on in the story. Do you ever like try to hover at ten thousand feet over the biblical story to see what's happening? It starts, get this, in a garden. The narrative starts in a garden, and God's created this garden, and evidently in this garden, you don't have to prepare food. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to cook it. You don't have to clean it up. There are no dishes. Evidently, there was no laundry. You understand where we're going here? There was just a garden, and you got up every day, and God walked around in the garden with you. There was companionship and and closeness with God, and if you felt hungry, you ate. There were no treadmills in the garden. No elliptical trainers. None of that stuff. Just a garden. And you just walk. And then, after six days... You had to take a day of rest. What you were resting from, I'm not sure. 
That's how the narrative begins. To set aside a space, a Sabbath, so that even those folks living over in the garden could take time out to say, I got to slow down. I picked 14 apples this week. I got to slow down. That was a bad choice, wasn't it? I picked 14 oranges this week. (laughs) Just one apple. (laughs) How much more important is it for you and I to find a place of Sabbath rest? Of daily rest? A place where you really rest. Your mind, body, soul, spirit, you need it. I need it. We're not okay without it. A place where we're really at peace. Where we take a deep breath and we say, I'm okay. And it's okay. And life's okay. And even when it's not okay, it's okay. Because I believe some deep things about God. And I believe some deep things about the world. And I believe some deep things about the trajectory of life. So that my anticipation of what's coming is optimistic and positive because He is making all things new. Revelation 21. Write this down. This is reliable. I am making all things new. Is that what your brain tells you? Is that what it tells you about the world? Listen, there's not very many people that will tell you that about the world. I, I, uh, I opened up social media this morning, and there was an immediate uh, uh, story there. It was a time lapse of the Arctic ice cap since, I don't know, 1994 to present. It wasn't optimistic. You understand where I'm coming from? I mean, it, 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 if you turn on the news today, it's not optimistic. The world is falling apart. And in the midst of it, It says, John the Revelator looks into heaven, and this is what he hears Jesus saying. Write this down. This is reliable. I am making all things new. I am in the business of renewal and restoration. There'll be a new heaven. There'll be a new earth. There'll be a new Jerusalem coming down from... you got something to look forward to. The story that began in a garden is going to end in a city. It's going to be awesome. How many of us think about that? How many of us wake up and we listen to the news and we go, I know a better story than that. And I know a promise that's deeper than that. And that's where I lean into. I don't lean into the news every day because I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> I lean into this other story, this deeper truth. And I, I rely in this story on the graciousness of God, on the goodness of God, on the power of God. Because I can't convince myself to be grateful. I can't convince myself to be at peace. I have to fundamentally believe some things if I'm going to be at peace. We're told by psychologists that this issue of safety is a big deal, that in fact we really, really need it, and that if we don't get it, uh, our bodies do funny things. Um, I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have bodies that are doing funny things? (laughs) That's an age question. You guys don't understand yet. But soon, you just go, that's weird, that's funny, but not in a humorous way. We're told that uh, when our bodies live in a stress mode, that they begin to produce a hormone called cortisol, and evidently that's a hormone that really is helpful in small doses. It helps you cope, it helps you 
focused, but in large doses and constant, it has very bad effects on your body, on your mind, on your emotions. So this is what psychologists tell us. You probably could have come up with this list uh, if I, I'd have given you time, but here's what you and I need in order to feel whole uh, psychologically. Number one, number one, we need a, a peaceful space. Do you have a peaceful space? Yes. Do you have a spot that is yours that you have carved out, that you've created, that gives you a sense of peace? Because it turns out space and environment is a big deal. It is a factor in this issue we have. Number two, we need meaningful and frequent activity. <laughs> this one's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because most of us, when we go, I want peace, we think I'm going to do nothing. But it turns out, in order to feel peaceful, we have to have frequent and meaningful activity. We need to get in... I'll just read it. We need to be active and engaged in the bigger world because it's necessary for our sense of well-being. Number three, we need to address our fears. Some things we just need to go see the doctor, we need to ask, we, we need to figure it out, we need to balance the checkbook, we need to pay off the credit card, we need whatever, some things we need to basically resolve whatever is causing the problem. Number four, we're told we need to reduce the stress. I bet you didn't think of that one. We're supposed to reduce the stress in order to have this sense of safety and security. Uh, we're also not, we're supposed to reach out to loved ones. We need people. It turns out that we're relational and, and we need relationships to thrive and we need people around us because that helps our sense of security and safety. And then the last one they mention is this, we should seek professional help. <laughs> that was spoken in this context. Sometimes... There are deeper fears and deeper things that need to be unpacked and dealt with. And so we ought to. Because it turns out safety and security is really important. And whatever we need to do in order to realize that space, in order to realize what's happening in our journey, to enjoy our lives, we engage in ways that we become proactive in finding this peace. And, and, and if I just ask you this morning, a scale of 1 to 10... How peaceful is your life? How safe do you feel? How secure do you feel in the journey? Because it turns out it's important. It's important to our overall sense of peace and grace in the presence of God. We've been talking in this series about faulty gods, and I talked last week about the pantheon of gods and, and, and how in the ancient world, uh, whether you're talking about the Persian gods or the Babylonian gods or the Roman gods or the Greek gods, there's these pantheons of gods, and, and the thing that's interesting is those that worship them tell us stories uh, about how cruel they are and, and, and indifferent they are to human suffering and how human beings are playthings, and, and, you know, it's kind of a hard kind of story to worship around. And these gods are very faulty gods, and so if you follow in the Old Testament story, you find a story about people who have been invited to believe in the true God that, that cares for us and intervenes in our story and seeks us. And this is an important distinction. In all the religions in the world, they are stories of human beings reaching up to God, 
trying to find God. Here's how you journey to God. Here's how you meditate and think. And this is what you do in order to find God. The Judeo-Christian story is about God reaching down to us. It's a unique story. That God so loved us that we belong to Him. And He seeks us to be in personal relationship. That's a very different kind of faith. That's a very different story. And yet, in that story, you have this ongoing battle in the Old Testament between the people trusting God and leaning into the gods of those around them. I'm glad we're over that. I'm glad we don't look and say, it's so much easier to believe what people around me believe. It's so much easier to think how the people around me think. It's so much easier to invest myself in what's going on around me because the children of Israel lived in this tension all the time. All the time. So much so, if you follow the narrative, God delivers them from captivity in Egypt. The exodus. If you're keeping up theologically, the exodus is the redemption story in the Old Testament, reflected in the death and resurrection of Jesus in the New Testament. Deliverance. The deliverance of God's people from bondage. In the Old Testament, it was a literal bondage in Egypt. In the New Testament, it's all the bondage of life and sin and brokenness and, and, and fear and all those other things. He's just been delivered. And, and now Moses has ascended the mountain of God and God is speaking to him. And we're told that the mountain of God is rumbling and shaking. And there's lightning and thunder and a cloud has encompassed the, the, the mountain. And God is doing his thing with Moses on the mountain. And what are the people doing? They're, they're starting to think that Moses is dead. Because it's been a while. And so what do they do? They gather their gold that they've plundered from Egypt. And, and, and in their story, they throw it in a pot. And out comes a calf. And they all bow down and worship the calf. In real life, they give the gold to Aaron. And Aaron forms for them a golden calf, and they worship the golden calf. Why? Because sometimes it's easier to worship something you know is fake, but at least it's present, than to have faith. To have faith that God's doing what He's promised to do. And this story goes on and on. It goes on and on in the story of Israel. They push back and forth. God promises and asks them and leads them and delivers them and, and in tangible ways does things, and then they go, well, but... But at least we can see that graven image. At least we can see that stone carved. At least we can go touch that and participate like that. And so David, in writing the 138th Psalms, he has this story in mind. He has the story in mind of the fact that, that this continuing push and pull between trusting the God you cannot see, yet one who has been active in the story, where you can see the intervention of God. And I would just say, for most of us, if I ask you today, how is God intervening in your story? You'd be like, well, I'm praying about... But if I ask you to look back and to tell me how God has intervened in your story, you'd say, oh, let me tell you some stuff. Let me tell you some stuff that's happened. And at the time, I didn't really feel it or know it. At the time, I felt alone. At the time, I thought it was... But looking back at it, I was like, oh, my goodness, God carried me through that. I don't know how I made it. I can see it. I can feel it. I... And the children of Israel are caught right here. And they live like that. Do you live like that? 
Like, I know God's helped me in the past. I really think it was God, but today I don't feel it. I don't see it. And it's easier for me to trust in other things. It's easier for me to become self-reliant. It's easier for me to, to seek instant gratification. It's easier for me. To, I just don't like this sitting and trusting God. I just don't like sitting in this space. So David comes to the end of his story. And he looks back at his life and he says, let me, let me just tell you some things that I see. Psalms 138. It's in here. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing you praise. That is David's statement that says, I've been down the path. I've looked at some other gods along the way. And in the presence of all of those things that I have trusted, I want to say this with all my heart. Before all the other gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and I will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness, for you have so exalted your solemn degree that it, ex- it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you. When you hear what you have decreed, may they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, He looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, He sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. So David hasn't always felt this greater gratitude, not every day, not all the time, not in the moment, but, but over time, the story of his life and the incidents of life have formed a mosaic. And now when he, at this latter point in his life, looks back, he sees a picture. And the picture is God has been incredibly faithful. And he highlights seven things here that I think matter to you and me. Number one, he says to God, you are faithful. You are faithful. You keep showing up and doing what you promise. Even though some days it doesn't feel that way and some seasons it doesn't feel that way, the truth is, over time, I look back and I see that you have been faithful to me again and again and again and again and again and again. If you're in that space in your journey right now where you feel like God is indifferent, like He's not present, like He doesn't care, like He's not with you in the current process, this is where we join the great cloud of witnesses and we say, no, listen, I have it on good authority that God is faithful, that He is faithful, that He'll stay with us. Number two, he says, you exceed the expectations. I'll bow down towards your holy temple. I'll praise your name for your unfailing love for you've so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When's the last time something exceeded what was advertised? When's the last time you got more than you thought you were going to get? David says, I I know that the ideas of justice and mercy and forgiveness and redemption and righteousness and kindness and gentleness, they all come from you. Let me stop there for a minute. I think sometimes in our culture and in our world, we think our best ideas are coming from somewhere else. 
the concept of justice, the concept of mercy, the concept of love, of forgiveness, of grace, every, every ideal of human existence, of the highest calling, of this is what it would be. If we were to live in a perfect world, in a utopian society, it would involve all of these things. They're in this book. They're concepts of the character of God. They're not concepts borrowed from somewhere else. They didn't come from some philosophy. They've been written into the very fabric of this book. And David says, we already know your rules are good. We already know that your decrees are real, that, that they are actually the longing of the human heart. But you even exceed that. Because somehow, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Somehow with you... It's not just about justice and mercy and forgiveness. It's also about love and family and connection. And you exceed our expectations. You do more. He is able to do, I am convinced, Paul writes, that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or even imagine. Do we walk around with that attitude and spirit in us? Not because life's okay, because it's not. You are talking about a person writing these words who has been through it. You're talking about a person who's not at the beginning and living a naive sort of perspective of God. You're talking about a guy at the end of his life, and he knows what it is to live in great victory and great tragedy. He knows what it is to win incredible victories in the name of God, and he knows what it is to live in open rebellion against God. He knows what it is to live in the tragic circumstances of family destruction. He's lived it. He's caused it. And at the end of his journey, he's saying, listen, this is what I know. This is what I've come to realize and understand. Not only is he faithful, he exceeds our expectations. Number three, you stay close. When I called you, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. Is this what we talk about inside our heads? When I'm off on my own doing my own thing, I know none of us are tempted that way, you know, God's not really showing up. He's not really telling me anything specific, so I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to charge ahead. I'm just going to keep going. Anybody heard those sermons? You know, how do you know the will of God? Well, you go through the open door. And if there's no open door, what do you do? Well, sometimes in faith, you have to just kick down the wall. Okay, you guys aren't helping me. I, I mean, is this a stop sign? Is this, do I need to blow things up? Do I need to not? I don't. And sometimes we just go independent, you know, I'm just going to figure it out on my own. And David says, here's what, I have had my share of going independent, going rogue, doing my own thing, figuring it out on my own. And guess what? You know what happened? When I ran in my own direction, I turned around and guess what? You were there because you stayed close. And sometimes when I was making big decisions, you were guiding my big decisions that I thought I was making all on my own. You were still... You were still helping because you stay close, he says. You are worthy. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord for the glory of the Lord is great. I worshiped you and I found you were worthy of my worship and you're so worthy of my worship that I think all the other kings doing whatever they're doing, worshiping whatever they're doing, figuring out whatever they're figuring out, they ought to come and worship you too because it turns out that ultimately that's where it's headed. So I'm going to be up here in the front of the line worshiping you because eventually everybody's going to make their way back here 
Because why? Because this is true, and it's real, and it's good, and you are worthy of the worship. Number five, you're involved. Though the Lord is exalted, He looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, He sees them from afar. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Do you think he sees you? I mean, I know sometimes we are like, I think he's, a, like, he's like CEO God. He's probably got people looking after that, but he's probably not directly involved. He surely has delegated me to some smaller angel, probably Clarence. <laughs> Older people help the younger people. That's the angel, and it's a wonderful life, not a super sharp angel. I think God sees you. David says, here's my reflection. I cried out, and you turned your face to me, and you lifted me out of the miry clay, and you set my feet on a solid rock, and you gave me a firm place to stand, and you put a new song in my heart, a song of praise for my God. That's who I think you are. At our house, uh, we, uh, we've had a situation out in our driveway for a number of years. We, we had a gate that was built by a, an actual craftsman years ago. It was a really beautiful gate. But over time, it's gotten very tired. And it's begun to really fall apart. And if you look out of our dining room window, you can see the gate, which is disturbing when you're trying to eat. Because over the years, the gate has started to list. And lately, it's been a pretty severe list, you know. So if you're going to open the gate, you actually have to lift and pull, you know. And over the years, I've done different things to try to patch it together. And it looks like I've done different things to try to patch it together. <laughs> it's kind of a Frankenstein. It's kind of it's like it could hurt you. I mean, it could really it could hurt you. So a few weeks ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to take a few days off, and I'm going to rebuild that gate. I'm going to replace that gate. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. And I was laying in bed the night before I started on the gate, and I was thinking, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm worried that whatever I'm going to build is going to look worse than what's out there right now. I got, it's a true story. I got up the next morning, and I opened my devotional book. And what verse do you think was the verse of the day? I am a strong gate. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think God so sees you and me that he's involved in our story at that depth. He sees you. Is that what you walk around in your brain with? Is that how you create safe place and security? Is that what you tell yourself? He sees he is involved Number six, you protect, you rescue, and you vindicate. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand. I think David's looking back and he's going, I see a lot of times when I was scared to death and I thought I was on my own. And when I look back, this is what I know. You preserved me and you rescued me and you protected me. You were watching over me. You were helping. You were guiding. You were guarding. And I know that in this journey, not everything works out exactly the way I want. But even in the hardest of times... There is nothing that separates us from the love of God. 
Not life, not death, not things present, not things to come, not powers, not principalities, and all of that stuff you protect and you guard and you guide and you help because you care. Is that the story you tell yourself? And then number seven, you never abandon us. You do not abandon the works of your hands. In the end, I am the work of his hands. And so are you. In the end, I am the works of his hands and so are you. With all of your issues, with all of my issues, I'm the works of his hands. And he does not abandon the works of his hands. He, he, he has created me. I mean, I think sometimes he'd like to continue to edit the program. You understand? Like, to make some, like bring me in for some improvements, upgrade the systems. But I am the works of his hands. And he treats me like a loving father. And I know sometimes around church we get this idea that, that when we do good, God loves us better and blesses our lives and gives us better things. And when we fail, he punishes us and, and, and disciplines us and draws us into other. But the story of the scripture is that we have a loving father. In fact, Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, if you know how to good, give, give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven know how to give you good gifts? Is that how you think of God as a loving Father who sees you, who journeys with you, and sometimes disciplines, no doubt about it, but, but not in some harsh way, but in a loving way to build us and teach us and grow us and move us forward and help us understand what this life and calling really is and what it looks like to live in obedience to God and His Word because it's good for us. Do you have a place of safety? Do you have a place of rest? It won't be because you, you know, pick out a specific environment. It'll be because you believe some things about God and about the world and about who He is and about where we're headed. I am making, you can write this down. This is reliable. I am making all things new. And you and I are invited to rest in that truth. God, would you help us as we celebrate together that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses? Would you remind us that we participate in this greater story and bigger community? But we also are celebrating and thinking about what life looks like in retrospect. We're not there yet, but we can see some of the journey. And we're thankful for people like David who look back and say, hey, it didn't feel like it at the time, but now, now I can see where you've been at work the whole time. My prayer is that you would touch lives with a sense of your peace and protection. Whatever's happened. Wherever we come from, whatever we've done, whatever choices we've made, whatever failings we have, whatever weaknesses we have, Today we just renew our commitment to follow you. To stop looking around at other options and other gods and other idols that we think might bring us some kind of peace. And we take a deep breath and we lift up our worship to you. 
And as we close this service, we want to say it right out loud. You're a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. Would you hear us as we proclaim it? Would you make it real and true in each of our hearts? Would you lift those? Would you apportion grace to each person as there is need? Here in the room, those that are online, those that will join us in the course of this week ahead. God, we love you. And we're thankful. We're thankful for your protection. We pray it all in Jesus' name and everybody said together. Will you stand as we respond? Even when I don't see it. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.